So listen, I want to I want to clue you in, Matt. Yeah. I know we're getting we're getting old. We don't know what's going on. Hey, we don't know what the kids We don't know what the kids are into. But I have a direct link through Walter and his they have a dance party at school when it's raining like today. A little, like 5-year-old dance party. So listen to this song that he was rocking out to. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. It's great. Well, um, wait, wait, wait. It's hey, every, what? This is a great song. Hold on, hold on. It's good. Okay. It's gonna kick in right here. But just you gotta wait for the chorus. It's really worth it. This is gonna. It's a long intro, but this is gonna be worth it. I mean, for our show. And you have to imagine like 15 four year olds. Right. I'm getting high and getting wrecked. <laughs> getting high and getting wrecked. So, yes. yeah, he's already <laughs> getting high and getting wrecked and going to the club. I and almost I shit my mind when I heard that this morning. I was like, really? And who is this? Oh, Charlie XCX. Lots of people are listening to this thing, so I'm just going to tell them. Okay. Uh, my name is Matt. Great. This is a great song. Thanks. Yeah. No. Thanks my for name getting this into Hi. Walter into Walter's head. Dude. <laughs> Okay, who are Why you? Why are you hurting our audience? Who are you? Hi, my name's Matt. I'm Jason. Uh, we've been friends since high school, and we've played in uh, a lot of bands together, and uh, music's always been part of our friendship. So we started this podcast to talk about records that are meaningful to us, not really good records, not bad records, but ones that just mean a lot for some reason, whatever reason we are going to let you know about. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we talk about great albums. Um, sometimes we talk about shitty albums or albums that we like that nobody else likes. But they're all important to us for some reason. This is We Listen to Records. We Listen to Records. And today, we're listening to uh, The Life Pursuit by Bell and Sebastian. And this is um, uh, Stuart, lead singer. With the life, per- it, uh, <clears throat> this is about the title of the album. <laughs> it felt like the best title to use, but I don't know why. When I think about it, the theme of the song, "The Life Pursuit," could be perceived as the theme of the album. It's an ironic title. The life pursuit perhaps seems like a phrase you might use for young go-getters, young people fresh out of school wanting to make a buck and get ahead. It's kind of an '80s title, like Reaganite or something. That's how it strikes me. What I'm more interested in, in fact, is entirely the opposite. I'm interested in people that fall off the back of the race, who take a detour or a sidetrack, and I think perhaps quite a lot of the characters in the songs on this record are people who this is happening to. They're on the cusp of something, and they're falling away from the usual path. They're falling away from the path of their contemporaries or the path that their parents or the people around them want them to take. And uh, I uh, came across, or this, this album came into my uh, life when Molly and I were in this record store in Greenpoint and they were playing it and we were just looking through shit and we were both like 
who is this? This is pretty nuts because we, we must have listened to like maybe, you know, three or four tracks. And we were like, wow, this is really like, who is this? And Molly was like, I'm, I kind of sounds like Don Sebastian, but she hadn't really heard of this record. So, um, so we had to like talk to the guy behind the counter, which actually was fine. This record store was okay. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, we just, um, uh, ended up getting it that day and then totally, it's like, you know, it's a long double album. And, uh, for me, all the tracks that I heard that day and then just like straight through, it's always a record I can put on for like a long period of time, knowing that it's going to be, you know, super interesting. And I think he, this, um, uh, I'm trying to remember his full name, but um, because uh, I don't actually, I'm not a super um, super fan of this of this band. But uh, I, when I was listening to this in preparation for a recording, yeah, I don't think I'd ever heard this album before. Yeah, like I went through sort of Spotify and I was I was listening to you know different albums and. Like I remember their older one from the like the late nineties. That's I remember that, that was yes, really Tiger Milk. Uh, yeah, I remember Milk. listening to with with Tim, like when that came out, and I was like, oh, this is interesting, super, you know, indie rock, whatever nineties kind of. I think they were even put out on Matador at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure, but I was like, okay, so they're 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 along with the like pavement and and everything that was going on and and Matador at that time. Um, and I sort of love that, like, oh, they're Scottish. That's kind of interesting, like, yeah. kind of, like, mysterious. Um, and then, yeah, I never never really went back to them. I know they kept putting stuff out, and I never really followed them. But, yeah, this... Uh, um, and, and they just... They had that, like, um, super indie rock start, too, where it was, like, two friends, Stuart Murdoch and Stuart David, who were in, like, uh, sort of random college program in Scotland which was like kind of like a DJ school or something where they were like here's how to record and blah 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 and the fact that this would be like a public you know like the unemployment office of Scotland is pretty awesome and they were like in a music school and the two of them met there and were like hey let's record and they put out that Tiger Milk record which was like wow this is great and then they immediately got on a label and then, uh, but you kind of felt like, okay, so this is a case of a band that, you know, very randomly, they put out a great record, but this is def- this has got to be a one-off. There's no way that they have, you know, this kind of sustainable talent. But then uh, Stuart Murdoch, like, I mean, listening to this record, I, I'm always blown away by the instrumentation, how the songs are arranged, especially and the the melodies and the harmony stuff he comes up with and there's just so much going on in every song and they're all so different yeah it's crazy i'm looking at their discography online because again this is not a band i really followed no no. and this is the the life pursuit the one that we're going to listen to you know closely in a second right um is their seventh album in a decade so it came out 10 years after tiger milk yeah um which is like kind of crazy to think about you know this sound, this style for me, it's so late 90s. What? And to, to try to put this record into like, you know, 2006, sort of late Bush era, it just doesn't... Well, know, this, this sound, it's funny because this record for me goes between like kind of 60s, um, like poppy, like I don't, I don't want to say like kinks or zombies kind of, like just very, I don't know, parts of it anyway. And then other parts are... 
um, like seventies almost. It just has like almost like a like a kind of easy listening seventies like parts of it. You know, like has sort of an easy listening layer that, yeah. that kind of turns me off a okay. little bit. <laughs> sure. Um, but it's funny, like, the parts of this album that I like, I associate with, they make me think of bands like Beat Happening. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or stuff like that, where I'm like, I don't always get it. I'm not always there with you, but yeah. I'm like, I'm still interested in what you're doing. I right. still, right. like, used to love in here, even though I'm, I'm not, like, head over heels for this album. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's. Um, I know, I always just sort of associate Bell and Sebastian with, like, Moopy art school girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. My whole life worked in art school, but um, you know, it's like oh, the 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 Bell and Sebastian girls. Yeah, you know, yeah. Dyed black hair, and you know. Which, by the way, I have to say, the other thing about this album is the it's a it's like a gatefold uh, LP, and inside are just pictures of those three girls in like you know, uh, Catholic school like outfits, just oh, totally. hanging out on the like. <laughs> Wherever the freaking Scot Scottish like hinterlands, and it's it's like whoa, this is too much. <laughs> you know, I was, when I was this is gonna sound really weird, but yeah. one of my favorite go-to movies when I don't know what to watch yeah. is the '70s era, uh, The Wicker Man. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah, yeah, Lee. yeah. Like it's like a not a horror movie per se. It's like a scary movie mystery, but it's also a musical. Yeah, where, where oh, the, yeah, the right. music and the songs in the film are, are are actually part of creating the creepy culture. It's a very strange film. I don't know if you've seen it in a while. Uh, no, it's it's actually really good. It's like shockingly good. Wow. Um, like I'll put the, I'll just put this on sometimes when I when I can't sleep or when I don't know what's yeah, what yeah. to watch and it's 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 a solid good like seventies uh, British like creepy film. Anyway, yeah. when I was listening to this Bell and Sebastian album, I was picturing the, that film remade with all the music replaced from this album, and I was like, oh, it worked totally fine. <laughs> well, you didn't write it. Well, what's crazy too is I actually watched um, God Help the Girl uh, maybe six months ago or something because. Wait, what's God Help? God Help the Girl, the Girl is a, a musical that he wrote and directed in 2014 that mm-hmm. has um, uh, uh, Emily Browning, I think is no, yeah. Wait, do I recognize her? There's somebody. Hannah Murray is from Game of Thrones. Oh, who's she? In? Oh, she was Gilly in Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's been in some good movies yes. lately. So she is in this. And some other uh, act- actors I'm not really, I don't really know, but um, basically it's not like a great, it's not a great movie, but I, I just love the, the spirit of like coming up with a band and just like these three random people are just into music. They have nothing else in their high school and they're like, yeah, let's form a band. But meanwhile, they're like also singing all their feelings and it really makes sense in this context of like... Right. Well, yeah, you're a band. So so every time they're like, hey, let's rehearse this song. I mean, it's not exactly like this, but they're like just messing around and they start to sing and it's like, oh, okay. And only this guy could write this stuff that would actually work because he has that kind of like Morrissey, almost like sensibility of right. singing about really depressing and or like hilarious situations that no one could get away singing about and i think on this record especially that that comes through in like almost every track it's like 
he sets up this situation between people in the in the song and and well, let's, uh, let's play a little music let's hear yeah. a sample of what we're talking about here well we're gonna hear the uh blues are still blue which is maybe my favorite i don't know anyway yeah play play it play it through the laundry you know what i mean he's singing about doing the laundry it's it's fucking great and and i just as we were just listening to that opening that part where it's like it's like an organ but i think it's just vocals it's i just love i love those weird experiments that he's doing like that i, I feel like on every track like um and uh reading um sort of 80s pop sound going on yes you know like you you mentioned sort of offline like it, it, it sounds like the cars or something right and you know i'm looking at Stuart murdoch's you know wikipedia page here and you know he's born in 68 in scotland right so yeah his like major coming of age like he would have would have been 20 21 right at the end of the reagan era right at the end of the thatcher era yeah yeah and i think that quote that you read originally where he sort of mentioned like this this title is almost reagan-esque in its you know, the life pursuit, it's such a, yeah. you know, you need to like, you know, wear a collared shirt and have a good job on Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, like, we aren't that and we're writing albums about the people who, who aren't that. Right, Like, right. I think it's all in there. I think, you know, there's this layer of, like, how much they fucked over culture that they're folding into these songs and they're like rebelling against and he's just like deadpan I refuse to write songs about grandiosity and fancy cars and big boats right kind right, of right. way that's really like always been charming but also I think is the thing that that is kind of impenetrable about them yeah it's like I know it's a lot less fun to listen to songs about doing the laundry <laughs> right days. right but he for me he makes them so interesting musically and he keeps he keeps doing those those like funny things where he where you're in the middle of a chorus and it sounds like it's the end of a sentence even which just keeps going into like like he'll like the way that like it's very like um uh i guess i mean uh, uh, what am i trying to say he's a good writer i mean because he has that he has those moments where you you think that the line has ended at the end of a sentence 
but he uses that word to just continue the the thought in the chorus like it's i can't explain it but it's those little things like that that are constantly surprising in this track and in every track where you're like you know he's singing about totally nothing at all but this character while while we're talking i was i'm like i just remember when like when this band came out do you remember the word twee T-W-E? oh yeah 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 of course and it, like it was very much associated with bell and sebastian and oh, i just yeah. remember like oh yeah whatever right so i like i knew it meant kind of like overly cute or yeah. sentimental <laughs> right, i didn't really right. think too much about it no, that's so it. just now while you were talking i just put the word twee into google <laughs> yeah what comes, comes up british adjective derogatory <laughs> okay okay excessively or uh affectedly quaint petty or sentimental yeah yeah use in a sentence bear with me here is although the film's a bit twee it's watchable <laughs> and then scroll down about three you know search results in google yeah and there's an article in the atlantic from uh 2014 yeah. called the twee revolution okay from when 2001 on that article and literally the first thing that comes up is a picture of zoe deschanel and wes anderson <laughs> oh yeah yeah and okay. brooklynites on bicycles cough cough nobody i know yeah um, oh come on and and I scroll down. I and don't want to take the like train. The, Fuck the quick, off. Essential twee music is Bell and Sebastian. Like, okay. Oh, wow. That's that's funny. You know, it, it's yeah, it's a very maligned category of music because, and you know what I have to say? Like I always loved. You know what I always loved about Josh Panzek uh, from Conehead Move, <laughs> oh, <laughs> shitty our punk band, and yeah. You know what I always loved about him is that bastard. <laughs> he was he would be listening to Gorilla Biscuits and fucking Seven Seconds, yeah, <laughs> and just yeah. tearing shit up. And then he'd be like, "Oh man, I got to put on Morrissey now." <laughs> <laughs> and I always thought, "Fuck yeah, that's awesome!" Like you don't, you're like don't, you don't have to just li- just be all punk rock, or or you know what, this this is punk rock too because it doesn't give a shit about the uh, things that uh, the rest of music is doing in a way, you know. So so anyway, I think to be, you know, I like that. I like this. <laughs> sure, <laughs> because it makes me feel like I'm not. Uh, just a, a, a post-punk robot. You're not just a post-punk robot. <laughs> There's a little bit of tweet there somewhere. You just like, you know, you want to put on a, you know, a, a, a schoolgirl skirt and a well, flower in your hair and go out and dance in the fields. No, let's just let's say that. Um, uh, what's this track? Uh, the, oh yeah, uh, turn this up. This is a good track. Well, it is. It is. And I was actually going to talk about this. Uh, this one is is very like. Um, it's very like, uh, um, like against like getting famous. Like I, I like it a lot that it's like, oh, it's from this point of view of somebody who like didn't really make it. And they're kind of like just telling that person to fuck off. And I, which I think is pretty nuts. You know what I mean? Um, let's, let's play a little music and I, I, I want to talk about, um, Scottish music a little bit. Okay. Okay. Let's play a, a, a little bit of a track here. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Suki was a kid. She liked to hang out in the graveyard. She did brass rubbing. She learned she never had to press hard. When she was really shining out, she was all alone She decided that she better check it and hope There was another round between her and that She said she hadn't done this 
If she wanted to remain inside the family home She'd have to tell the lies, she'd have to give it a go It didn't succeed, she took her things and left was a kid, she liked to hang out in the art school. She didn't enroll, but she wiped the floor with all the assholes. She took a leisure clap at the fraternity cat, and she hid inside the attic of the sculpture building. She had a slut slave, and his name was Dave. She said, be my father, bitch, and I'll make you rich. He didn't believe her, but the boy repeated her. He got her the meals, he got her the bed. He watched behind the screen, and she started to undress. He never got far, just looking at playing guitar. Do you remember Pulp? Kind of. That was a, I missed them, but I sort of think I know of a couple of their songs. Like, what's that one? Uh, my, my, my wife really loved Pulp. Okay. Let's do a lot of Pulp back in the day. Okay. And I mean, that was uh, Jarvis Cocker. He's great. Yeah. Pulp was a mix of like they kind of threaded the needle somewhere between like Morrissey and '90s EDM. Okay. Wow. And and it was and it was you know very sort of like big sound like danceable sound but the story it was story songs about like poverty or or like fucking girls or getting drunk okay but like funny self-deprecating charming songs yeah yeah and like this track that you just played it totally fits into that <laughs> like like i just heard it, it, it wasn't as dark like pulp is a little more like on the morrissey end of the right thing. right 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 um but yeah, it's just like it's a story song about a girl who hangs out at art school and right. the floor with assholes and she didn't <laughs> enroll. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, this is cute and so fucking British. Yes. Um, like, yes. I, like I literally just wanted to pour a cup of tea after listening to. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's yep. interesting because okay, so I want to pivot. That song is a bad example of what I'm about to say. Okay. But um, because of my you know my family is scottish my grandfather um yes family is scottish that's right and you know, i've been to scotland and you know and been interested in that for a long time so you know every once in a while i listen to sort of like scottish folk music um <laughs> and you know i i like listening to the, i don't know if you know the Corries. no these guys no well the story behind the, the Corries, and it's very much i think related to bell and sebastian and bell and sebastian being from scotland but there were just two dudes who did like folk music about sort of Scottish history. Oh wow! You know, the songs about like the lakes. And it's very like sixties folk music. Yeah. And they did this one song. Um, it's called "The Flower of Scotland." Okay. It's just about um, like a it's like a battle where the Scottish defeated a British king and sent him home. And it's just very like late sixties, you know, folk music. Right. It has become the unofficial national anthem of Scotland. Oh, wow. Jeez. Like, it's played at soccer games. Wow. Like, like it's like everybody knows this song now. Yeah. And it's like in the way that, it, that a thousand people singing a song at a stadium, like the beauty and subtlety of the original is just totally butchered <laughs> by like drunk soccer hooligans now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's, but anyway, the, the, when I think of that tradition when I listen to Bell and Sebastian, because it, again, it's yeah. this sort of like 
this very Scottish way of just incorporating your history and your your sort of love of your country, but also your your colonized people. Right. You're kind of a defeated, like you're living in an empire that you want to leave, but you've been stuck in this empire for 500 years and you're voiceless and you're like powerless. Right. But you also have access to all the trappings of empire. So it's it's like a little of both. Like I sort of feel all yeah. of that in Bell and Sebastian where they're roping in like 80s era music and sort mm-hmm. of Reagan-esque era references, but also this like underlying sense of self-defeat or self-loathing, right? Like, like disconnect from the world outside of you. Like it, that's to me just feels like very Scottish. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, it, it, I think that's what overall this record and even band has is is that lost in translation sort of thing. Of there are all those references that I'm not getting. And and it, right. but it ends up being you know sort of trans you know posed into oh, what I'm thinking about and, and stuff. So well, that's that's kind weird. of what's fun about music like this. With the, what, when I was listening to this album yesterday, like the and especially when I was younger, when I when I was more of an inquisitive like naive kid, yeah. like running into those things that you don't understand but yeah. you want to yeah. or yeah. you're trying to like make sense of like a part of the world that you don't have exposure to yeah is like really fun i mean yeah i remember you know listening to night uh morrissey in the early 90s <laughs> and being like double decker bus what the fuck is that <laughs> yeah, you know just right. like dumb things like that, that that i mean the words double decker and bus put in that order it's pretty clear what he's right. talking about but still, like I'd never no. seen one in person. Right. I, you would never. The idea that that thing existed wasn't in my world. Until, right. And and you know just like stuff like that, where things enter your life through this weird portal of of music, is, totally. is why we listen to records. Yeah. Dun dun dun. You like That's what I said right. there? That was fun. That's right. Very good. Very good. Um, yeah. I mean, I just I, I I love the way this band started. You know, coming out of like. Uh, recording shop class <laughs> that right. that let Scotland gave them and then uh oh I know what it was well, let me, wait let me read yeah. the exact sentence about that from Wikipedia okay, okay. I think it's really funny <clears throat> Bell and Sebastian were formed in Glasgow Scotland in 1994 by Stuart Murdoch and Stuart David both of whom had enrolled at Stowe College's beatbox program <laughs> for unemployed musicians <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's the that's exact it. first sentence cool. of their history on Wikipedia. And I can't believe that their professor was in the Associates. I know. Oh my god! What a weird time! Like wow. Yeah. I mean, ninety-four is, is pretty late. But um, what's that film about Factory Records? Uh, twenty-four hour. Party twenty-four people? hour party people. Yeah. Love that movie. Oh man. It's it's such a weird moment. We're just. You know, like where this stuff was coming from. Well, I've always, I, I have to say, I've always been super fascinated by, I mean, because they always had, from my, well, my idea of England was through like NME magazine and like those right. kind of, their punk rock magazines and stuff. And I was always like, I can't believe that these bands are this, like, w- like widely known and popular at like the Sex Pistols. I don't think there's a person in England or that part of the world who did not hear them and know who they were. And that would have never happened in, in this, in the States. I mean, right. that kind of thing was amazing to me that that stuff would be so widespread. And like Morrissey is like a, a Frank Sinatra of England, which is crazy <laughs> that everyone loves him. I don't think, I think that's the first time anybody has ever 
Oh, it's true. The Frank Sinatra he of is. England. But he is yeah, the Sinatra. Fair. I mean, like, literally, I think, you know, there's not a person who, who doesn't know all those records and, and listen to him. And, right. I mean, he is like a national fucking. No, it is. It's, and it's you know, weird. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, Morrissey, <laughs> the Pogues. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, it's just like you get, I don't know, like, how, how did the Pogues become like the national band of Ireland? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? And again, is this happening? is all my perception of it. That could be not, not true, but to me, that's what England was, was like. Right. They were su- totally all about the Clash and the Sex Pistols, and that was just like they were everywhere. And then later you had like, uh, you know, the Cure and the Smiths, and like, the, and that was just like, yeah, everyone's listening to this. It's not a, it's not a weird, uh, two kids in the in the back of the bus listening to it like it right. was where I grew I up. What's weird about it was like everyone album. hears so it. So Bell and Sebastian come that you put out their first album in '96. They form in '94, right? Yeah. And you know, whenever I, I I tend to forget this, but whenever I think about that period, like there's this tiny window where Nirvana breaks big with Nevermind, right? And then. You know, you, you got Pearl Jam, you got right. whatever, Seattle. Alice in Soundgarden, like yeah. these things kind of that were decent and already near the surface kind of popped up. Plaid shirts. Plaid shirts, all that <laughs> stuff. But like almost instantly, like uh, it is it is, a, it is a blip in time before you suddenly get the record labels trying to capitalize and you get all these like bullshit put together like fake grunge bands that just appear out of nowhere to capitalize on the trend. Long underwear under your shorts. Long underwear under your shorts. <laughs> you know, just like tons of just candle box fucking bullshit. Yes. And then like, what is it, 96, you get Limp Biscuit. So from Nirvana yeah, right. to fucking oh, Limp Biscuit is is nothing. Yeah, I right? guess. It's like two years. And so there's the, the real window <laughs> of like when it was both popular and still kind of like its original earnest form. Yeah really small and so for Bell and Sebastian to kind of form right in the middle of that even if their record wasn't yeah, put out no, until, it's true you know kind of the end of that yeah you know they're they they're starting off in that wild west period where just everything was fair game or or there you know, or or it everything was one thing so who cares we don't want to right. be a part of that so it doesn't matter what we're doing it's so well, I think what, in what happened in the, in the immediate aftermath of, of Nevermind was that the doors blew open and record labels were just like, we're sick of hair metal. Hip hop hasn't quite well, become a thing yet. They aren't like, sick of you know, anything. It would now dominates everything. Um, and just every record label was like grabbing anything that wasn't nailed down because nobody knew, like everything seemed like full of potential. Like nobody knew what the next Nevermind was going to be. So this is where Bell and Sebastian and the Cranberries and just anything. Well, listen, that that's where like, you get like butthole surfers on a major label. That's yeah, where you, you get, get like butthole surfers on a major who else? label. For some Dinosaur reason. Jr. Like all these bands like on Geffen Records or whoever. It's like, what the fuck? You had, you had, uh, didn't Sonic Youth like. Yeah, get on GDC yeah like there was that period of like okay sign everybody yeah which okay and they were just throwing but. everything at the wall to see what stuck you know yeah. I mean Helmet you know um, uh, uh, Fugazi was even you know no. I mean not elevated by a major <laughs> label but elevated sort of like by sort of grandfather status almost well yeah right 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 right. Um, uh, but yeah it was just sort of like like so I feel like Bell and Sebastian's um, sort of longevity, the ability to put out this album a decade later, is, is a sign of like actual craft, actual building mm. an audience. I mean, they put out 
it is 10 albums yeah. total right yeah that's yeah a lot no they, they are definitely a case of like we are musicians and they don't live that life we just uh you know i was listening to some interview where they were talking about cleaning up the studio and you know like doing all the all the kind of uh, mundane stuff of being a band booking the shows right. blah 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 and they're like yeah we left our drummer at, at a Walmart in like Kansas or something by accident <laughs> and that's because they're just out out there doing this on their own they're doing it on a big scale now because they do have that following that they can play like like they played sure. in Prospect Park uh, maybe last summer you know what I mean like so they can do those venues but they're still like maybe a couple of buses and all their garbage and that's right. it and well they definitely are like establishment music now right, right, right. you know they've been mentioned in major movies and yeah, you know yeah. They, they yeah it's true they were in like high fidelity movies. right and like high that fidelity was, they were they're in that was um, not long after they were 500 days of summer yes yeah about a tweeze yeah. oh yeah i you know i never right. even saw that movie. um <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it's um I mean, it, good for them. Like they, they've managed to stick around and take this, yeah, seriously, tiny, earnest sound that they've crafted and, and keep going with it. It's really interesting. Well, and and I think Stuart Murdoch is that like, um, who is the Magnetic Fields guy? Oh yeah, uh, another band that I don't get. Like I like them when I hear them, but I would yeah. never. We'll, we'll, we'll get to them definitely because I, I feel like Stuart Murdoch is in the same camp as oh, I can't fucking think of his name but uh, just like a, a real musician's <laughs> musician <laughs> I put magnetic like, fields into Wikipedia and I'm like scrolling down to try to find the guy's name and it's just like different <laughs> kinds of electrodynamics and I, I realize I got the page for actual <laughs> magnetic fields totally um, uh, like he, he really and I, I was reading um uh, something uh, the All Night Cafe, which was by Stuart David, who was the, the founding member, about sort of the that first year of Bell and Sebastian, his memories mm-hmm. and recollections and stuff. And he remembers Stuart Murdoch like, and uh, literally having like a tape recorder or something that he was constantly singing melodies into. And then he would be like, "Yeah, well, I'm ne- I might never think of that again." Or like when you come on, when you hear something like that you feel like is that great you just have to catch it because I'm not gonna remember this it's gonna be gone and then he would just put together all of these catchy things together and and I feel like that's what this record is like a lot too where there aren't any like really terrible songs I mean he is like a songwriter putting all this stuff together and multiple times in the same song and and uh it's just incredible craft to this record that I super yeah. appreciate. Where I'm like, I think about the creation of it a lot, going like, how the, how do you write this track with this orchestral stuff? Are they there with you? Are they coming up with this right. stuff? Did you like score this on top of writing the song? Which probably, I mean, the guy is really, really a genius. Oh, he reminds me of like a Connor Oberst too. Where like there's right. sort of no limit to this, you know. He does. He started in this like nowhere four track place with his friends and, and the usual like rock and roll instruments, and graduated seamlessly into what do you want to use? Like now you have the the um, all this stuff at your disposal, and it's like no problem, you know. Like great. I, I would love to use an orchestra. I would love, you know, whatever kind of stuff you can throw at me 
and and I want to experiment with it. I don't just want to use it in a normal way. So it's I appreciate all those things about this whole record for sure. Well, let's let's play one more track, okay, and then we'll get to the disclaimer and uh, look towards the future. Okay, I like this song a lot. Funny little frog. listening habits yeah yeah like it's a reminder to kind of you know revisit things that you liked or or didn't even know about sometimes that's that's kind of what i'm really enjoying about doing this that's awesome me too me too because uh (laughs) i mean not smashing pumpkins gish (laughs) (laughs) well sometimes you have to look back and go "Mm, yeah that's fucked well, I mean, as I much feel as like, I like there's, that. there's going to be plenty of opportunities <laughs> for discovery. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I hope you're adding, you know, Camper Van Beethoven and stuff to your life. Oh, more. sure, sure. I'm definitely going to listen to more Balanced Bastion. But it, there's also those moments where you look back and you're just like, oh, man, what, yep. what was I thinking? Yep. Yeah, we, we got to get into those, too. I don't you, think our you, next <laughs> record is going to be there. We'll get to that okay, in okay. a minute. Do you want to do the disclaimer? Uh, Yes, I do. We don't own any of this. Bell and Sebastian and Matador and Rough Trade and Jeepster and Arts and Crafts Mexico own this. Well, I don't know exactly. But basically, uh, if you if anybody wants to take it down, just let us know. Email us at records at harveylovesharvey.com and uh, we'll take it down and we'll take the whole thing down. Fuck it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. 
We'll make a big show. We'll do a whole episode about taking it down. And what well, no, I know. <laughs> Listen, I get it. Too, but I get you it. Know, the you, truth is, we're just doing this because we love the that's music, right. and we want to we want to share our our thoughts and love and sometimes hate of the music that we're listening to. So it's not really meant to steal from anybody. It's just meant to celebrate their hard work. Exactly. So, I mean, go buy the record for God's sakes. Yeah, and you know what? If you like it? Go buy it. Yeah. Hopefully, this made you interested in getting it or something and you know what we haven't as long as we've been talking matt yeah we, we have not played through this whole record believe it or yeah, not it's a, it's a solid double up it double is album. and it's good it's yeah, really, we're really good. 45 oh, minutes i know what i was gonna say so it's, it's a good solid solid and record you get your this, money's worth that's for damn sure you damn you damn sure do this is an interesting take on like the the um the conceptual album or right where it's like oh this is a story this is a story record you know through this guy's life but this is more of like but i guess like he was saying like i guess that's why i picked that that quote it's more of like that sort of time and place record it's like all of these characters probably live in the same town probably glasgow or right. some scottish area but um to me anyway but they and and it does and they do all exist in the same time period like the you know late 80s or early 90s or something and uh you know what that, you know what that makes me think of what? Do you remember uh, a comic strip from the mid-90s? It was called Cheap Novelties. No, no. By a guy named Ben Catcher. No, no. I stumbled on this like used in a in a used bookstore a long time ago, just like a collection of his strips. And it was basically this guy. So the main character of the comic strip, I forget his name, but uh, Julius Nipple, N-I-P-L, <laughs> Julius Nipple. Okay. He was a real estate photographer. Oh, wow. So he would go into like old buildings and photograph them when they were going to be sold or torn down or whatever. But each strip, each page had a started off with some sort of cheap novelty, like a giveaway item from a bank, like a like a ashtray or a pen or a, a stapler or whatever. Okay. Um, buttons and pins and like just cheap novelties, things you'd give away. Yeah. And each strip in some way incorporated like the discovery or meaning or like sentimentality of these cheap novelties into yeah. his like really mundane job as a real estate photographer. Wow. And it was a totally fascinating book. Weird. And I was like, why does this exist? <laughs> Yes. But I sort of like, I put Bell and Sebastian song, story songs in that category okay. where I'm like, why are you telling me this? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm yeah, enjoying yeah. the ride. Like, right. This is a story about, you know, just like nothing. It's, it's just a like weird little one. short story. It's like, oh. But it's like a cute short, short story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But not just cute. I think to call it cute at this point with this album is, is a little bit doing a disservice. And I wouldn't yeah, necessarily even call this. It has a lot more craft and i wouldn't even call this twee at this point to me anyway like i, I do feel like that is a time and place term that doesn't sure. exist to any of the bands that continued to create stuff i don't know though but crazy super crazy uh, um all right looking looking back <laughs> yeah looking back i'm getting a little, little feedback so i'm hearing my own voice kind of weird um but just looking looking towards our next record, what we're going right. to talk about. Right. Uh, I was looking, because my wife and I are boxing up all our stuff. We're about to read, um, uh, uh, have our floors redone, so we're going to gut our oh, house. Oh, jeez. Wow. So I was looking. I, was, I thought I had all of those old 33 and a third books. Yep. You know, those little books. Yeah. yeah, about yeah. The history of a single album. Yeah. And I guess I've donated them. I can't find them. Okay. But I wanted for this podcast to reread the book about Sonic Youth's Daydream Nation. Yeah. Um, 
So I was going to pick, I'm not, this is an official book, but I was going to pick Adrian Nation. Okay. Next show. Okay. But since I don't have that book, I had to order a copy and I'm going to wait for it to get here. Okay. So we're going to defer Daydream Nation for a couple weeks. Okay. So I would like to do Goo. Okay. Wow. We're going to do, we're going to do double we'll do Sonic, Sonic Youth back to double whammy. <laughs> and you're going to do both. <laughs> both of those. I mean, that's fine. Whatever. Hey, man, whatever you want to do. I'm happy to pick something else. No, no, that's cool. I'm into Daydream Nation for sure. And you want to do Goo? That's that's totally we, your... Both do Nation. Like, let's both reread that 33 and the 30. Yeah. We'll both find stuff that we love. And yeah, I will. I'm definitely going to. Yeah. Let's let's do that. Let's do, let's like like tag team uh, Daydream Nation because it's an album nice. that really needs um, real depth. Oh, yeah. Like, it, there's so much meat on those bones. Yeah, oh, yeah. All right. So so then what is your pick for next week then? Sonic Youth's 1992 album... Goo. All right, Goo. Featuring, for a brief moment, Chuck D. Oh. <laughs> That's right. Oh. But I don't know. Like, I, like, if I had to pick, it is really tough for me to choose Daydream Nation or Goo as my favorite album. Yeah. They're, they're, it's like they're made by two completely different bands. In a way, yeah. I mean, Goo is definitely like high school. This is music that nobody else is into that I can definitely call my own. And I'm trying really, like, I have to be into this. And I will be. But then Daydream Nation is like, wow, this is just fucking amazing. And I did mm-hmm. not know that Sonic Youth did this. And what a, like, start for a fucking band. It's nuts. Like, so, who is, uh, like, the easy, easy access? Well, I was say, for our fans out there, if you want to get up to speed for um, next week's episode, um, crank up the loud apologize to your neighbors <laughs> but uh you know put it on man listen to it yeah yeah all right we're gonna um i'm gonna take this whole business out with almost the last song which is also great um and uh next week we'll talk about goo sounds good the album Rock from on, sonic yeah. bell and sebastian here we go yeah, let's hear it. do it So like fine not to stop your tears You 
can use my stereo Money in the village, Joe But don't listen to the gossip of the other folk